This is the Truth Hurts program with your host, Steve Z, telling it like it is. Well, we managed to do it once again. It is Friday, May the 14th, 2021. You know what that means. You know what that is? It's Friday. Thanks for taking the first minute of this program to enjoy my favorite day of the broadcast week, Friday. Free speech, such as programs like the Truth Hurts program, as well as broadcast radio conservative talk shows, as well as big tech-related blogs and vlogs and websites and opinion and commentary sections of social media sites could become heavily regulated, more so in the very near future. They are doing their best on the Democrat side to limit freedom of speech, freedom of the press, freedom of expression, and I have a fear that at some point in time, programs like The Truth Hurts might come with their own disclaimers and their own fact checks put on there by big tech giants who seek to stifle conservative opinion as well as common sense thinking. A good friend of mine, Thomas, sent me something from the American Thinker dated September 29, 2020. It started out speaking about what potential damage could occur if gropey Joe Biden were elected to the White House. Oddly enough, it's almost like a crystal ball look right into every single disaster that has been associated with this resident of 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. The Biden-Harris presidency has, in its first 113 days, proven to be disastrous for the economy, for American security, as well as our very way of life. The principle of limited government is at the heart of our American system. The founders believed that tyranny grows in proportion to power, threatening individual liberty. History is littered with innumerable examples of absolute despotism, to use the words of the Declaration of Independence, in which government exercised its power against the people as opposed to for the people. The pivot of limited government is restraint. Under our United States Constitution, government is confined to those powers that protect life, liberty, and prosperity. James Madison warned, quote, It will not be denied that power is of an encroaching nature and that it ought to be effectually restrained from passing the limits assigned to it, unquote. That's straight out of the Federalist Papers, number 48. Despite accusations of fascism from the left, Donald Trump attempted to scale back the power of government by eliminating or curtailing many federal regulations and by his reduction of the size of federal government and the federal workforce. Sure, Donald Trump made a few mistakes. Everyone does when you're in such a position of high power. But in terms of actual policy, Donald Trump's critics are hard-pressed to cite a single substantive example that amounts to a pattern of tyranny or fascism. 
Not the same thing could be said about gropey Joe Biden. Joe Biden has wielded his power and authority like an angry, impetuous teenager who, who was tormented on the playground for being the smallish, weakish kid, and by his mummy and daddy who favored the better-looking, more athletic older brother or the good-looking, intelligent older sister. Joe Biden has wielded his power like an angry, hormonal teenage girl. I'll prove Donald Trump was bad by taking everything he did and reversing it, and the country will be better off for it. Of course, the country is not better off for it, and we'll list those reasons here in a little while. Despite criticizing Donald Trump for his mean tweets and his sometimes reckless language or his verbal attacks on the press, ironically, by the way, it was Barack Obama who abused government power by investigating, spying on, and harassing members of the press, if you recall, but he was forgiven because he's a Democrat and he's a double-A, 13% black African-American minority. Under the Gropey Joe administration, we will continue to see a colossal escalation in the scope and power of government, projected by authoritarian policies and mandates, many of which are put in place under Barack Hussein Obama and were simply discontinued in the interest of we the people by Donald Trump. Biden tries to come across like a nice guy, but he likes to shake his feeble fist and make you think he's really a powerful guy. And he loves to punish the successful people in the nation because he never was one. He loves to punish successful big business because they're mean-spirited. Progressives have no limiting principles to restrain government growth because they're convinced that government is a benign agent of the people, a supremely naive belief, according to the American founders. Mr. Biden is a progressive who believes that the primary purpose of government is to engineer social and economic structures in order to create a just and woke society. He is destroying America in the process. Prospect of an authoritarian government under gropey Joe Biden is not simply a nebulous accusation, but a concrete extrapolation based on his record and his current positions and policies. His promise to sign the Equality Act into law if it gets passed by the Senate is one example of Joe Biden's attack on religious freedom. The self-espoused Catholic who is often seen making the sign of the cross is a complete contradiction of his own faith, supporting abortion up to the moment of birth. The legislation that he's promised to sign in the Equality Act if it's passed by the Senate is elevating LGBTQIARSTUV rights which progressives takes precedence over any and all other rights except for the rights of black African-American, 13% AA hyphenated minorities. It is basically an amendment to the 1964 Civil Rights Act to prohibit discrimination on the basis of sex, sexual orientation, gender identity. Section 1107, which should scare the hell out of everybody that a single act would have at least 1,107 sections. Section 1107 specifically denies exemptions for religious freedom granted under the Religious Freedom Restoration Act of 1993. It would force churches to open their sex-specific facilities, such as bathrooms, to members of the opposite sex or some made-up gender that really doesn't exist at all. The act would force creative professionals like Christian bakers and wedding photographers and florists against their deeply held religious beliefs to be mandated to use their artistic skills in support of same-sex couples attempting to marry. In short, the Equality Act would force religious individuals and organizations to speak messages and act in ways that violate their personal and religious beliefs under the threat of federal punishment. Of course, Biden's still trying his best to restore Obamacare, 
the so-called Unaffordable Care Act, and that would force religious ministries and schools, along with businesses operated by religiously devout owners, to cover the cost of birth control and birth control drugs and abortions. After a successful nine-year battle in the court system against the Obama administration, the Little Sisters of the Poor, the Catholic Order of Nuns, will find themselves once again in litigation to protect their own religious freedom. This, all from a president who claims to be a devout Catholic. Not to mention the fact that forced taxpayer funding of abortion will become the law of the land. With no exception for conscience, Biden will require all taxpayers to fund abortions. Those who morally object to an abortion, claiming it is murder, which it is, will be forced to subsidize it by the collection of taxes by the government. Most Americans have opposed government funding of abortion. Even Biden himself claims to have opposed it. Up until only recently, he supported the 1976 Hyde Amendment, which prohibits the use of federal funds to pay for abortions with very few exceptions. The long-standing agreement was, in effect, a truce between the two opposing, often hostile, sides of the massive abortion debate. But Biden, under the influence of the radical left, socialist, progressive, woke crowd, has become far less tolerant. He will not settle for middle ground when it comes to his view of social justice. Of course, Biden will restore Obama's guidance for college tribunals on sexual misconduct. Back in 2011, the U.S. Department of Education's Office of Civil Rights established new mandates under the Grope Joe Obama administration. It required colleges and universities that receive even a penny in federal funding to dramatically reduce the due process rights of students accused of sexual misconduct. Basically, what he did was a reckless broad definition of what is sexual harassment. Hey girl, you looking nice today. Sexual harassment. Nice dress, Polly. Sexual harassment. I like your hair that way. Sexual harassment. It also incorporated a new low threshold of evidence for determining guilt. Can you prove I touched her inappropriately? Is there any video evidence? Were there any witnesses? No, she's mad at you for something and she just claims you hit her and told her that you were going to have sex with her one way or the other. Guilty sexual harassment. This proposal also denies the right of the accused to face his accuser. Tommy, we've called you here before this college sexual harassment tribunal to tell you that someone on the campus said you raped them. Could I, could, could, could I ask who? No, you can't. It was someone. And, and, and we said, we said someone, so it's a, uh, it's a someone. But don't I have the right to face my accuser? No, sir. Not at all, sir. Not on the, not only can you not face your, your accuser, we, we not even, we not even gonna tell you who it is. Not even a name. You're guilty. Sexual harassment. It also denies the right of the accused to cross-examine any witnesses. So you're saying I can't ask that person if they're sure it was me they saw at the party? No, sir. You cannot, you cannot do so. You cannot cross-examine any witness. And all of her friends are, are witnesses, and, and they're going to be behind closed doors, and, and, and it's going to all be on a written statement, and, and, and their names are going to be withheld. Of course, there's also a denial of the right to see all the evidence collected in the case. We found your underwear at the scene. Could I, could I take a look at that underwear to see if it's mine? No, sir. You can't look at the evidence. Barack Hussein Obama, Joe Biden said you can't look at the evidence. We know we got your underwear, though, boy. Guilty. Sexual harassment. Then there's the ever-popular denial of the right to objective and impartial investigations. I'd like to uh, have maybe the local sheriff get involved in this to, to actually collect evidence and do an investigation. No, sir. No, sir. No, sir. You was accused of sexual harassment. This here tribunal 
set forth by the Obama-Biden administration and now perpetuated by the Biden administration says we are the final arbiter of your innocence or guilt. Guilty. Sexual harassment. And of course, the fundamental underlying problem with Gropey Joe Biden's issues regarding the rights of due process for students accused of sexual misconduct is the denial of the right of presumed innocence until proven guilty. You have been accused of sexual harassment, so you're going to be kicked off the campus. All your grades are going to go down to zero, son. You are not innocent until proven guilty. In our tribunal here at the university, uh, you are guilty until, well, you're just guilty. Someone said you touched a titty, and now you're guilty. So that's it. You're done. Finished. Wiped out, son. Guilty. Sexual harassment. These unjust regulations were rectified under the Trump administration to the accolades of civil rights organizations. But Biden intends to reinstitute Obama's sham system, which has more in common with the show trials of authoritarian regimes than with American justice. These shadowy tribunals give us a window into the progressive view of justice and how it will be applied in a progressive legal system. Now, these were predictions made back in September 2020, before Biden was elected. And now let's look at how they've played out in real life. The trial of former police officer Derek Chauvin was nothing more than a kangaroo court with one mission, convict a white cop of killing a black criminal and make it a public display, a public show, a spectacle, a circus atmosphere. Make sure that a certain community in our nation got some public justice, even though it wasn't justice at all. The highly biased trial, the highly influenced jury and judge for fear of their city burning to the ground and personal retribution should they have found him innocent, forced in the opinion of many of the jurors, their hand in making their guilty verdict. The trial, of course, will most likely be appealed and he'll get a new trial. Just today, the judge has ordered the trial of the other three officers involved in the criminal thug George Floyd's killing, postponed until sometime in late 2022. They don't want a repeat of the kangaroo court, the sham justice of the Derek Chauvin trial. Also in the Biden arena is his plan to reinstate Obama's heavy-handed transgender bathroom directives. Federal government will end up ordering men and girls in public schools to have to subject themselves to males using their bathrooms, their locker rooms, and even their showers. If those males wake up that morning and say, man, I feel like a woman. By giving aberrant behavior weirdos, freaks, queers and others their right to pee and poo and shower where they want, they violate the women and the little girls' inalienable rights to the fundamental bodily privacy and poses a threat risk, a safety risk to those girls. Of course, we now know that girls and women's sports teams will be required to admit males who pretend to be female, even though those represent a very, very unfair advantage over the females and represent a very small percentage of the nation's population. Of course, the barometer of an encroaching authoritarianist government is the consolidation of power. Whereas the founders sought to divide sovereignty between state and federal governments, known as federalism, progressives like Gropey Joe Biden aspire to create a top-down system of control in order to implement their economic and social vision, effectively squashing the power of the states altogether. For example, 
Biden says he's going to shut down the country if necessary in order to stop the spread of the coronavirus. And he did just that. He shut it down. The entire economy has been crippled. And now that he has the engine cold, he has no way of quickly firing the engine back up. And he has done all of this damage, even though the direct oversight of public health is not a power delegated to the president or to the federal government. Only the states have the power under the 10th Amendment to determine what is in the best interest of the public health and the police power to enforce it when necessary. The 10th Amendment. Read it, Gropey Joe. You have violated it since day one in office. Biden's attempt to consolidate power by running over the states is evident in his environmental policies as well which gives the federal government nearly plenary control over private property. Though each state has one or more agencies to monitor and regulate the quality of our environment, the EPA has assumed expansive powers to override state regulations on land, on air, on water, on wildlife, and other natural resources. Back under the Obama administration, the power was expanded further by giving that agency, the EPA, sweeping and unprecedented authority over streams and wetlands, even on private property. President Trump, as you may recall, rolled back this giant overreach of power and handed control back to the states where it belongs. Gropey Joe Biden, however, is working hard to reinstate Obama's authoritarian regulations. He's going to establish, if he has not already done so, the Environmental and Climate Justice Division in order to further consolidate federal power by using, in his own words, all of government approach. Of course, Gropey Joe Biden is going to deal with federal control of local zoning laws. The federal government under Biden will extend its tentacles to local neighborhoods by regulating zoning. The Biden administration is planning on ending single-family zoning in many suburbs and create little downtowns in these communities, building high-density, low-income housing right in the heart of certain suburbs. Because it's only fair to the poor, the poor, in keeping with the authoritarian nature of this program, suburbs that refuse to comply will simply be cut off from millions of dollars in HUD grants and possibly from critically needed federal transportation grants used to build and repair infrastructure like state highways. And also, if your little town decides they don't want a housing development right in the middle of town to bring in low-income people, well, guess what? They'll cut off FEMA aid to you and other federal aid. Gropey Joe Biden might present himself as a moderate, as a middle-of-the-road guy, but his authoritarian policies betray the more radical progressive philosophy that is undermining and replacing America's social, political, and economic fabric as a whole. The Gropey Joe Biden administration has no limiting principles to restrain the growth of government power, and therefore there is no restraint to slow down taxation. He is the tax-and-spend epitome of liberal, progressive, socialist, communist America. By further consolidating control, Gropey Joe Biden will hasten the erosion of numerous constitutional rights, inching us closer each and every day to complete and total tyranny. As James Madison warned, there are more instances of abridgment of the freedom of the people by gradual and silent encroachments of those in power than by violent and sudden usurpations. That is correct. It is far easier to boil that frog if you put him into the lukewarm water and turn up the heat slowly than it is to take a frog and throw him into a pot of boiling water. In that second scenario, the frog will most certainly jump out and seek freedom. But under the first example, he will sit there thinking how nice and lovely the warm water is. 
as it slowly and progressively increases in heat and he succumbs to being boiled to death without realizing it has happened. And that is the truth, my friends, of how things are going under gropey Joe Biden in the United States of America. And sometimes, my friends, that truth hurts. But wait, you think that's the only things? We haven't even mentioned the myriad examples of executive orders. The contrast of Biden's first day in office to Donald Trump, who signed 24 executive orders in his first 100 days, are numerous. After Trump took the presidential oath, he pledged to build a wall at the southern border of the U.S. He pledged to eliminate gun-free zones in schools, to repeal and replace the Affordable Care Act, and to remove federal restrictions on energy production, among other orders that Biden has reversed with the stroke of a pen. You might recall Biden decided, we're going to go back and join the Paris Climate Accord, the Iran nuclear deal, and, of course, the World Health Organization. We're in day 113 of the gropey Joe Biden administration, and yet, as of yesterday, we're still required to wear masks, even though he said mask up for only the first 100 days. He extended the eviction moratoriums, even though the federal courts have ruled that is unconstitutional and outside the scope of the CDC who ordered those eviction moratoriums. He paused student loans. He stopped construction of the border wall. He canceled the Keystone XL Energy Pipeline. He stopped oil and gas drilling on federal lands and waters and has even threatened to do so on private property. He preserved the DACA for the illegal immigrant children of illegal foreign invaders. He rescinded the 1776 Commission. He reversed the Muslim travel ban from Muslim and African countries, allowing more and more sick people, as well as terrorists, into the country. He has reinstated men playing on little girls' teams as being okay. Of course, he redecorated the Oval Office, taking down historically important pictures, paintings, statues, and replaced them with Martin Luther Kang and Cesar Chavez. He is forcing public schools and colleges to treat biological males as if they're females, saying he will let transgenders pick their own gender identity. He also says he will order insurance companies to cover gender reassignment surgery, not only for adults, but for young, impressionable children. Under Obama thus far, we have seen massive increases in the price of lumber, building materials, food, clothing, fuel, shortages in gasoline, shortages in clean water. But that doesn't matter, because at least the orange man isn't tweeting mean things anymore. I'll take a few mean tweets every day if I can go back to 199 a gallon diesel fuel, 159 a gallon unleaded. I'll take a few mean comments and sneers by President Trump all day over having the fear now that we are going to have to engage in yet another war in the Middle East or a war with China or Russia or Korea. I will take the orange man ranting and raving on television all day as opposed to five minutes of gropey Joe Biden mumbling, stumbling, fumbling, bumbling, stuttering, stammering. It's odd how the media has treated this guy like some kind of god when he is nothing more than a senile, feeble old man held up by the strings of his puppet body by George Soros, Barack Hussein Obama, Chuckles the Clown Schumer, and Nasty Nancy Pelosi. And the hand up his rear end that controls his mouth? You don't even want to know whose hand that is. And one final note on your president, gropey Joe Biden. He is apparently the dumbest president that we have had in almost a hundred years. 
We know he graduated near the bottom of his law school class, but he lied about that as he lies about other things in his life. Ronald Reagan's IQ was estimated to be 170 by his longtime aide Marty Anderson, who, given his Ivy League degrees, knows of what he spoke. Harry Truman, John Kennedy, Richard Nixon were believed also to have extremely high IQs, but our dumber presidents included Lyndon Johnson and Joe Biden. Both of those men have a naive and childlike belief in the government's ability to solve all of our problems. In truth, I don't think Biden has been this way his entire political career. After all, you can't stay in office on Capitol Hill for over four decades by being a complete nincompoop. But then, wait a minute, there is Maxine Waters. But ever since being sworn in, his decision-making has been at times downright mind-bogglingly bad. Consider the way he's handled the relationship with the press. They got its brief honeymoon period in the immediate aftermath of the inauguration, but for all the pounding reporters took at the hands of Donald Trump, Trump was nothing if not transparent. Trump spent nearly every day of his presidency in front of the press. Yes, sometimes he attacked the press, but at least he had the temerity to do it in person. From his impromptu pools to rambling, freewheeling press conferences, the media had ample access to Trump and his stream of consciousness. And for some reason, if that failed, they could always check his Twitter feed. Biden has been the polar opposite. He claimed to have been the most transparent candidate and would be the most transparent president, but he has been the opposite. Despite talking about reestablishing good media relations and reinstituting daily press briefings, Biden has made a habit of avoiding answering any and all questions that aren't run through his office in advance. And he has a cue card for the answer. Hell, he didn't give his first press conference until March 25th. He's flat out tried to hide negative information from the press by refusing them access to the southern border, to detention facilities, to anything to do with his criminal drug addict son, Hunter Biden. Hell, it took a Democrat member of Congress to release photos of migrant children packed in the cages that Biden built when he was vice president under Barack Obama to prompt the administration to do anything. And all he did was appoint Camel Toe Harris to a leadership role on the southern border. And here we are, over 90 days later, and she has yet to make the first trip to the southern border. In short, after promising to treat the media better than his predecessor, being nice to the press should have been an easy one for Biden to do. Instead, he's kept them farther than arm's length away for no apparent reason other than he cannot formulate two coherent sentences without a teleprompter. And even with a teleprompter and cue cards, even with a microphone person speaking into an earpiece in Biden's ear, the man cannot speak publicly. It's not because at one time in his life he wasn't a good speaker. He was always a decent reader, but now he can't even do that. He's such a screw-up. Think about Forrest Gump or Rain Man. Now we have an unprecedented number of illegal immigrants, 170,000 plus two months in a row, and that number likely to increase as larger and larger groups of illegal aliens flood our borders every month when children are forced into cages at overcrowded holding facilities by overmatched border agents. It is a crisis, but Biden still, 113 days into office, has only screwed up and called it a crisis once and then denied that he said so even though I played it right here on the Truth Hurts program. Biden, for reasons unknown, has decided to adopt the line of the situation is not a crisis, but an opportunity. The entire mess on the border is, by any objective definition, a crisis, a disaster. It's been sadly funny watching the incompetent Jen Pisaki bend over backwards to rationalize this bizarre party line the White House has adopted. It's been downright astounding to watch progressives, congressional Democrats, and the media who grow increasingly frustrated with Biden for obviously not calling it what it is, a crisis. 
Should have been an easy message win for the present from the start. It's not like the border's the only crisis we're dealing with. Think about it. Any communications staffer worthy of their meager salary should have told Biden on day one that as president, he would have to address the crisis of COVID, the border, China, Korea, Russia, another piss-poor Democrat recovery from an economic crisis. Biden could have spoken on and on in his first days about fixing these numerous crises that faced the country. He could have used his victory in the recent stimulus packages as a springboard to say, and now I'm going to fix the crisis at the border. He could have said, we're dealing with crisis of COVID, crisis of recession, and that crisis at the border. But instead, he said, we're dealing with the crisis of COVID, the crisis of the recession, and that uh, 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 very un 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 unfortunate situation on the border. Sorry, Biden's an idiot. You have to be dumb to get both parties and the press mad at you for denying objective reality. If my house were burning down, it would be like me saying, well, there's flames, there's smoke, uh, uh, but there's no fire. There's, there's, no, there's no building on fire. Joe Biden is supposedly the leader of the free world. But if dumb decision-making skills like this are what we have to look forward to, then my Lord, it's going to be a long road. That's going to do it for this morning's edition of the Truth Hurts program. Sorry to ramble on so... But it really gets under my skin when you have someone like gropey Joe Biden in the White House destroying America, turning the heat up on that boiling pot of water while you, the frogs, sit there thinking everything is okay when you know damn well it's getting hot in here. We'll see you next time. Have a great weekend, everybody. Thank you for listening. The opinions expressed are protected free speech under the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. We apologize if you were offended, but we retract nothing. Background music by Jason Shaw and Audionautics. Copyright 2021, The Truth Hurts Network.